Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy podcast. I'm Declan, the son. And I'm Jane, the mom. This is the podcast where we talk about brutal crimes, bizarre occurrences, and get you drunk with cocktails themed around one of our stories. To lighten things up, we'd like to end our time with a chaser. Please keep in mind some of our stories might be upsetting to young or sensitive ears. We love hearing from our listeners, so feel free to contact us by email or social media. You can find our contact info in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to support us through Patreon, you can find us there at Brutal, Bizarre, and Boozy Podcast, or use the link in our show notes. Hey, I'm Matt, host of My Second Self and I on the Podmouth Media Network. I'm only asking for a couple minutes of your time so I can shamelessly tell you about my podcast. My Second Self and I is a unique podcast because instead of an actual other person, Alex, my co-host, is the audible manifestation of one of the many other voices in my head. Sounds weird, but it kind of works. Well, sure, that sounds interesting, you might be thinking, but you might also be thinking, well, what kind of pod is it, Matt? My Second Self and I is a comedy show about true crime. What? How does that work? I believe that with the right tone of voice, different voices, and good storytelling, that even a gruesome story about a serial killer can be told in a way that doesn't leave you feeling gritty or gross. Don't worry, I can see you scratching your head. I understand the murder isn't the funny part, rather it's how I tell the story that gets you to laugh. So? What kind of stories can we expect? Great question. You can expect anything from serial killers, missing persons, cold cases, conspiracy theories, paranormal entities, cults, and pretty much anything within the general vicinity of weird slash unexplainable is on the table. You can also expect a certain level of professionalism and that I will do my very best to present the most accurate information I can as well as being entertaining and engaging. If that sounds like a good time to you, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, and wherever else you get your podcasts. My second self and I. Tell your friends and stay kind. Okay. Well, Declan, now that we've had some technical difficulties. technical difficulties. (laughs) Corrected and I'm not hearing music in my head. um, What story are you going to be telling us about? So then I'm going to be talking about Frederick Valentech. I don't know. You come up with stuff that I've never even heard of. I've never heard of it either until last night. <laughs> Frederick Valentech? Valentich, maybe? V A L E N T I C H. Valentich? Okay. Maybe. Okay. Cool. Know. What are you going to well, be talking about? I am going to be telling you about a not so nice murder of a poor woman mother and it was mm, the details are kind of sketchy but um the bad guy is in jail so details are not the right person is where he's supposed to be and to um go along with this story uh it is the crop duster drink So, there were actually a couple of different cocktails with the same name. I went with the one Mm -hmm. that I had the ingredients for. That I didn't have to go on a wild goose chase to find something. So, this is some pretty standard ingredients for us here. Um, But the crop duster drink is one ounce of gin, half ounce of grenadine, two ounces of sour mix, half ounce of southern comfort. 
The steps are to add all the ingredients in a shaker with ice, shake well, and strain into an ice-filled glass. And I have to I say, feeling... it sounds fucking disgusting. But... It does. And I made I, mine the sour pretty. Sour mix always makes stuff taste good, though. But yeah, I made Still, my own sour mix because I didn't want to go buy one. How do you make All it? All right, let's. Uh, it I did um. Simple syrup, equal parts simple syrup, and uh, lemon juice, fresh squeezed lemon juice, and uh, three quarter part lime juice, and I shook it all together. I didn't want to buy one of those no, big it. bottles of sour mix, so I just made it because I'm like, yeah, I, I've only had sour mix a couple times, but I haven't had a bad drink with sour mix in it. But I have when I thought I was getting a lemon drop martini, and it was just <laughs> sour mix. Sour mix. Yeah, and it was gross <laughs> as hell. It was awful. So, yeah, not good. All right, let's try this crop duster drink. I don't know if it's my homemade sour mix, but this actually tastes pretty good. I I just don't like the mix of... I feel like the gin is making the Southern Comfort spicy, which it shouldn't be. <laughs> and so it's mm. like kind of weird yeah when you said spicy i did like, get a little bit of a kick yeah because southern comfort's usually pretty sweet but mm -hmm. i don't know tastes a little weird there's a lot of bad, sweet but... stuff in this there's a lot of, i don't I mean, know if i make it again yeah i wouldn't if somebody bought it for me at a bar i wouldn't throw it in their face it's not terrible All right. So this story is about Kelsey Barreth. And uh, I'll explain in a minute why it drink goes with her. But she was born in um, Washington on September 15th, 1989. So oddly enough, when I was researching this case, it happened to be on the day of her birth. It was on September 15th. And I went, Oh, did I get that wrong and put That's the wrong weird. date in? But no, yeah. <laughs> she grew up on her family farm in Moses Lake, Washington. She was very close to her little brother, Clint, who was two years younger. Kelsey was fascinated since a young child with flying, and she wanted to be a crop duster pilot. Thus the drink that I chose. After graduating high school, she studied aviation in college and eventually was hired as a flight instructor. In 2016, Kelsey met Patrick Frazee online. He was an investment banker who lived in Colorado. He was a year older than Kelsey. After meeting in person, Kelsey made the decision to move to Colorado to be closer to Patrick. That was not a good decision to make, but the couple were not I'm living together, we'll but why. they, yes, you're going to find out why soon. 
Uh, They were not living together, but they did eventually become engaged. She didn't have a job at first, but soon started working at DOS Aviation in Pueblo, Colorado, again, as a flight instructor. Not long after starting her job at DOS, she gave birth to her daughter, Kaylee, in October of 2017. Kaylee was born three weeks early, which caused her to remain in the hospital in the neonatal ICU for three weeks. Kelsey was a devoted mother, and everyone around her noticed how much love she had for her daughter. She would regularly post pictures of Kaylee to social media and send pictures of Kaylee to Patrick. The couple were still living in separate locations. He lived on like a family farm with his mom, and uh, Kelsey lived in another town, not far, but they still they weren't living together. Patrick's description of Kelsey as a mother, though, was vastly different from all of her friends and coworkers. They said she's a devoted mom, she loves her daughter, she's fantastic, all these things. He, on the other hand, would tell people that she was a bad mother, she was abusive and an alcoholic. One of the people that Patrick would say these things to happened to be an ex-girlfriend of his named Crystal Kinney. She factors in soon. In September of 2018, Patrick called Crystal for help in taking care of a quote-unquote problem. Unfortunately, that problem in his eyes was Kelsey. The plan began as Crystal adding something, an amorphous something. She was going to put something in Kelsey's drink, like a latte and take it to her. Um, that never panned out and it eventually into evolved from poisoning her, drugging her, something of that nature to physically attacking Kelsey and killing her. And there were some like failed attempts where, um, the ex-girlfriend Crystal, like, went there but didn't follow through and nothing ever happened so I don't think Kelsey had any idea that there was this secret plan to kill her but um, Crystal didn't follow through and Patrick decided that he didn't want to keep planning so he was going to take matters into his own hands so in November a couple months after this plan to take care of Kelsey, when Patrick realized he was going to have to do it himself, he figured, okay, now's the time. So by November, Crystal still hadn't done anything. Patrick's life was, you know, I need to do it myself. So on Thanksgiving Day, November 22nd of 2018, Patrick called Crystal uh, and asked her for her help in cleaning up a mess at Kelsey's condo. Crystal got to the condo two days later because she lived in Idaho. So she made it to Colorado, went to the condo and found a mess, a big mess. There was blood splattered on the walls, on toys, on furniture, all around the house. Patrick had apparently beat Kelsey to death with a baseball bat and put her body in a plastic bin in his truck. Patrick and Crystal took Kelsey's remains to Patrick's house, where he put them in an old 
uh, horse trough and burned them. So something weird. Mm-hmm. If another state and someone called me to ask for my help in cleaning something, mm-hmm. I'd fuck off because I'm not going to drive two days just to help you clean your house. Okay. <laughs> what? Well, you know what he's calling her to clean up. And she had already said that she would help oh. him. I mean, I'm just saying, it's especially an ex. Like if an ex of mine called me and said, hey, I need your help killing somebody. I'd be like, no, thanks, bro. Not going to do that for you. No. So. Ah, It's just weird. Yeah. Patrick kept Kelsey's phone and he maintained some level of contact for a few days with people that she knew, including her work and her mom. So he was texting people like he texted her work and said, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to be in. I have a family emergency. I'm going to be gone. And he texted her mom saying, oh, I'll call you in a few days kind of thing. And then he gave the phone to his ex, uh, Crystal. So she ended up having the phone. On December 2nd, Kelsey's mom, Cheryl, was concerned since she hadn't directly spoken to Kelsey since Thanksgiving. Although she had received a text from Kelsey's phone a couple of days before, in which Kelsey said she would call Cheryl later in the day. Cheryl had attempted to call Kelsey, but there was no answer, so Cheryl called Patrick. He told her that Kelsey and he had broken up and claimed that she might have moved without telling her mom. So he's like, hey, your daughter and I broke up and she probably moved town. I don't know. I do not know. No, exactly. He's throwing up a lot of red flags. Yeah. And why wouldn't Kelsey have told her mom? I mean, come on. Don't be stupid. Just be like, I I haven't talked to her. I don't know what's going on. Don't make up a stupid story. She moved town, but she didn't tell you when they were super close. So dumb. Cheryl thought this was extremely strange and very unlikely, obviously. She called the police and requested a welfare check be done on Kelsey. Law enforcement began investigating, but didn't find anything suspicious looking at Kelsey's condo. There were no huge signs of a struggle. Well, there were, but they weren't looking for the fine details at the time because they had cleaned up the condo by then. So there were some odd things, but they weren't, they were just going there looking for Kelsey. They didn't find her, but they also didn't find blood on the walls anymore. Um, so the officer who began the investigation spoke with Patrick that day, and he claimed that he last heard from Kelsey two days after Thanksgiving. He stated that they discussed their relationship and chose to break up. The day after Cheryl requested a welfare check, she flew to Colorado and went to Kelsey's condo. She found that Kelsey's luggage, makeup, and toiletries were still in the home. And Cheryl said that Kelsey would never have left without those items. Interesting, though, Kelsey's phone, purse, and keys were not found at the home. So I know we've had other cases where 
somebody reported someone missing and their keys and phone and purse and stuff were still home. So how did they go missing from that location? You know, that. So, I mean, he at least cleaned up that part, but he forgot to take her makeup and her luggage with him. So Cheryl did notice that there were cleaning supplies left out and some of the furniture seemed to be in unusual places. Law enforcement continued investigating the case, speaking with people at Kelsey's credit union, phone store, work, and grocery grocery store where she was last seen. They searched Patrick's home property and found scorch marks in the area where Crystal reported Kelsey's body had been burned. They also found a human tooth on that spot. However, later forensics were unable to clearly identify who the tooth belonged to. On December 21st, a month after Kelsey was last seen alive, Patrick was arrested for her murder. Ten days later, he was officially charged with five counts of murder. Patrick's accomplice, Crystal, was charged in early February 2019. She had one charge of felony evidence tampering. She pleaded guilty four days later and agreed to testify against him. She also admitted that she had a crucial piece of evidence, which was Kelsey's phone. So, so another she weird had been thing. doing, yeah. I mean, uh, nothing, I guess it does have to do with your story, but it's not kind of like really related. But how can someone get charged with five counts of murder for killing one person? One person. I wondered that too. Um, and I couldn't really find why they there were five counts, but that's what was that I found in the research in the timeline. He was charged with five counts, maybe because there was so much blood evidence. I don't know. And maybe one for like beating her to death and another one for disposing her in such a bad way. I don't know. And I don't know if he was convicted on all of those counts or if they dropped some of them. I'm sure if I really dug deep into it, but I did not. So, because the bottom line is, we're going to find out soon that he didn't, he got convicted. So, his trial began uh, the end of October 2019. A lot of testimony was heard about Kelsey's great character as well as the tracking of her cell phone location after her death. They looked at her banking information and video surveillance from around Kelsey's house. Crystal testified to having taken Kelsey's phone and texting several people from it after the death. The last witness for the prosecution was a fellow inmate of Patrick's who claimed that Patrick had tried to hire him to kill Crystal uh, and other trial witnesses. Patrick was convicted of Kelsey's murder almost one year after her death. He was sentenced to life without possibility of parole. He did appeal the conviction, but it was upheld in this year, January of 2023. So he is not getting oh, out. Wow. Yeah. And it so was he... apparently his last appeal. They said, no, you can stay where you are. <laughs> so I just looked it up on how a person mm-hmm. can get multiple charges at once and so usually they like so at most jurisdictions this is from Cora so it might not be right I don't know but it says that the lesser 
charges are included. So obviously there's first degree, second degree, third mm-hmm. degree, and mm-hmm. like manslaughter right. for murder. So they they would stack them up because first degree being the highest with you need both intent and premeditation. Second right. degree requires intent and the killing of another human being. So they would charge him with both. And then if one of them sticks, then it'd probably be yeah. the highest one. Right. I think. Well, and they probably, I mean, you want to make sure that you have as many possible ways to convict this person as possible. So maybe they did all of those, you know, first degree, second degree, whatever, um, in case the jury said, well, there wasn't enough to substantiate that it was premeditated for that day. So maybe they're considering, yeah, it was premeditated, but he had all these other times and they didn't go through, but maybe this day it was just, you know, spur of the moment. So premeditated, but he didn't, you know, plan out this specific attack. So I don't know, but it makes sense. Yeah. Because if they could just get one murder charge, that's, I mean, even the lowest yeah. one, like manslaughter is what, 15, you know, five to 15 or something like that. It, it depends on the state yeah. as to how long you're sentenced for. So either way, he's sitting in prison. He's not getting out. Yay. So what yeah. have you got for us? Tell me about no, this. Say that again. I just ripped a burp. <laughs> oh. What have you got for us today, Declan? Today, I'm going to be talking about Frederick Valentich. That's the name we're going to go with. Sounds, okay. It sounds the most sounds good. like a real name, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. So Fe- Frederick Valentich was born on June 9th, 1958 in Melbourne, Australia. He grew up with a strong fascination for aviation and dreamed of becoming a pilot from a young age. His passion for flying led him to pursue his private pilot's license. We both did pilot uh, stories. Yeah, I know. I thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> your, okay. Mine will involve a lot more planes than yours did. Because I think yes. <laughs> yes. you only had a plane in it for the first couple seconds. Well, but... I mean, she was a flight instructor and she loved planes. So, so uh, Frederick's family described him as a dedicated and responsible young man. He was known for his punctuality, and he took his interest in aviation seriously. His ambition was to become a to become a commercial pilot, and he was in the process of accumulating the necessary flight hours and experience to achieve his goal. He tried to take the test, I believe it was five times, and failed each time. So he just kept, oh. he's like, okay, I'll do some more flying and come back. I'm doing Which this. I'm I don't getting my that. license. I don't want that motherfucker flying the plane that I'm in. <laughs> Fill the test five <laughs> times. I wanted someone Eeks. who catches on a, the first try. Maybe he was a bad test taker. 
It happens. I, I don't know. So, by all accounts, uh, Frederick was considered a reliable and level-headed individual. His decision to undertake a solo flight from Moorabbin Airport to King Island on October 21, 1978, was seen as a routine step in his pursuit of a career in aviation. It was a clear evening, and the weather conditions were generally favorable for flying. It wasn't perfect, but, I mean... There's not a lot of perfect instances that you can go and fly a plane. So, yeah, he had about 150 hours of flight time when he left the airport. During the middle of his flight, Frederick radioed into the Melbourne Flight Service at 7:06 p.m. to report that an unidentified aircraft was following him at roughly 4,500 feet. Oh, yeah. So he just noticed that there was another plane in the sky and he radioed into the station like, hey, I see this plane. Um, just trying to make sure I'm not in the wrong spot or something because he okay. had actually like on one of his other test flights, he had accidentally flown into a restricted airspace for 25 minutes and got Oops. forced to leave it by other like Oops. jets and stuff. So, Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Traffic controllers responded and told him that no aircrafts were it no aircrafts were at that height in his area. Okay. And like so which is weird. Air traffic didn't know it was there. Yes. It's nothing okay. that they were actively talking to or could see on their radar. Okay. Mm. Uh, yeah. Sketchy. So he kept flying for a little bit and then he saw it again. This time so before it was heading in the same direction above him at 4,500 feet. And it didn't say what height he was at, but it was enough of a distance that it wasn't really concern on, like a concern for him. But it came back. Mm. This time only 1,000 feet above him, which if you're in an airplane is probably fairly close. Like I don't, I don't want to be that close to another airplane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So... He told them that the aircraft had four bright lights under it and passed overhead, like, really fast. Just flew over him. Like, double oh. the speed he was going. Ooh. A few minutes later, Frederick radioed back, saying that the aircraft was now approaching him head-on from the east. Oh, so he was shit. flying. He could see this craft flying directly at him from his east side. Uh-oh. Frederick just continued flying since there wasn't anything he could do other than try and dodge the aircraft if it did yeah, try and hit him. playing chicken. But like he's just watching out of the corner of his eye, making sure everything was all right. But mm, That's scary. It didn't end up hitting him. Uh, it just flew past him, like, behind his plane. So he's, like, thought it was really weird, but he didn't get hit. So he was just... Kept flying, because what else can you do in a plane? You just got to keep flying. Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like you can pull over and stop. Yeah. So after a little while of this, the the object that was following him came back, and he radioed into traffic control and said that it was orbiting his plane. So doing circles around him. Like, yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. They don't like that. 
No, thank you. Um, this time, it actually got fairly close to Frederick, and he was able to describe it clearer to the air traffic control. He said it was a shiny metallic object with a bright green light on it. When asked Ooh. to identify the type of aircraft, he simply replied, it's not an aircraft. But before he could elaborate, his radio was cut off, and a loud metallic scraping and screeching sound played into the traffic controller's headsets for 17 seconds before going completely silent. What? No. Yeah. <gasps> so he he calls them up. They're, they're talking, and they're like, can you describe it for us? And he's like, it's not an aircraft. And then... Oh. <laughs> No. For 17 seconds. Like that's long. That's a while time. for like yeah. something like that to happen. That's a really long time. Yeah. Sadly, this Ooh. would be his final radio transmission is this is not an aircraft. Of course it was. As you can imagine, he never landed in King Island. A search was launched involving nine aircrafts, which included a Lockheed P3 Orion which is a plane designed to find submarines. So it would be able to see anything below the water. So it would just fly around. And that's what I was talking about in our last week's chaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That right. they do have, like, I think it's LIDAR that they use or okay. some kind of radar-esque thing that lets you see, like, deeper into the water. Okay. And so they would right, be like able fish to see, like, a plane. Yeah, yeah, pretty much yeah. like a, a big-ass multi-million dollar fish, fish finder. finder yeah yeah and uh so they weren't able to see any plane wreckage under the water um the aircraft searched about a thousand miles before calling it quits only three days after his disappearance wow and they found nothing not no nothing. parts of his plane nothing uh, a cowling was washed up on a beach, but it didn't necessarily match his plane. It matched uh, oh. it matched a series of planes that were made in the same year of his plane, made by the same company. So it's like, oh. could be his plane or it could be the 10,000 other planes they made that year with the yeah. same serial number. So it, it could have been his, but it could have been... Any other plane Not. that crashed in the ocean, yeah. it, they weren't specifically able to identify it as his plane. Okay, so it just so maybe, maybe completely not. disappeared. Ew. Yeah. So Frederick was never found and is still listed as missing, presumed fatal. That's the classification, I guess. And there's some theories that investigators and journalists have come up with. Mm -hmm. First and most obvious is that Frederick made contact with an extraterrestrial vehicle, which either caused him to crash or abducted him. Yeah. Another theory is that he became disoriented and began flying upside down with the lights of his own plane reflecting off the water, which is what he thought. But that wouldn't explain okay. it orbiting him. Right. Uh, and he would have been able to recognize... If he was looking at the water, a plane, especially his own plane that he had right. 150 flying hours in. Right. Uh, mm, I'll buy another that. theory is that he committed suicide. However, everyone who knew him said this wasn't a possibility. No. His family, his boss, like, yeah. 
I don't know him, and I'm well, saying we that's may bullshit. never know. Yeah. Well, we may never know what happened to that pilot. We can only speculate. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Pretty gross. I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's scary. super scary, too. I don't. Yeah. I don't like that. Nope. Snatching planes out the sky. Come on, aliens. Right. Because think about, like, how did they get his plane? Okay. it It's an alien abduction. Let's say that. They got to have a big enough ship to pull his plane into it. Right? Or maybe it's or like, like a tractor transport beam. it something. Oh yeah. Yeah, they just yeah. attached they like, like the old school cow grappling hook. <laughs> like <laughs> they just flew by, swung a grappling hook out, grabbed it, maybe they towed it off. And let the plane crash something. I don't know. But they didn't find his plane. Oh, maybe yeah, they but the ocean's huge. dragged it, it somewhere else and then crashed it. Or, yeah, I mean, back to the, we did the Fravor story, right? No. The t- we did oh. uh, Ryan Greaves. Oh, we did Ryan Greaves. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. We didn't okay, we're going to have to do that story. Yeah, I agree. Because that involved the watercraft, so. Yes. Maybe they're true. in the water. And that's where they wanted it. <laughs> they wanted it to right. crash into the water. Yeah, and then they took it. Yep. Weird. Weird. Well, do you have a chaser for us? I do have a chaser, and mine is... I'm going to describe it, but I'm going to see, I'm going to play this. It's an Instagram reel that I found. So a couple of weeks ago, a while ago, I mentioned an Instagram account called we rate dogs. And mm-hmm. I saw this one the other day and I laughed so loud. Um, so I don't know if you can hear it or not. Mm-mm. No, you can't hear it. Okay. So there's there's a sidewalk that has these like 12 by 12 metal tiles built into the surface of it and the tiles are flexible and they bounce and it plays music like a xylophone essentially mm-hmm. there's a dog that is jumping on the tiles playing music that's so funny. I'm going to I'm going to see if I can post it in our Instagram cuz it's so freaking adorable and this dog is just having the best time of his doggy life that day just pouncing on these tiles and playing music and people are sitting around they can you can hear people watching him and it's just cute. I love dogs so <laughs> Sounds very cute. Yes. What's your chaser today? Mine is another watch recommendation. It's called The Happy Time Murders on Netflix. Oh. It sounds weird when I describe <laughs> yeah. it, but it's worth the watch. It's yes. a cop movie or a detective movie, but 
half of the characters in it are humans and the other half are puppets. And so it's like it would if they put the puppets with normal people, it'd just be a normal cop movie because but because it has puppets, it's like, yeah, we found this one, all this stuff and ripped out of him. His eyes cut out. Like <laughs> it's just super weird. And like the drugs that they do is glitter. It it's just it's oh, really God, yes. The awful glitter and, and looks, the sugar. Like <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you look my at gosh. it like on Netflix, it looks like it's going to be a bad movie, but it's actually pretty funny if you watch it. So, I would agree. When you uh, suggested this, when we started watching it for our family movie night uh, a couple weeks ago, both dad and I were like, okay, we'll watch it. You know, whatever. It was your movie pick. And then we saw that they were puppets and we both looked at each other and rolled our eyes and we were like, what? the hell and it turned out to be so friggin funny i loved it it was so good it was it was a fantastic pick and i don't think any of us expected it to be good i think we all watched it from the beginning seeing the puppets going this is gonna be garbage this is gonna be terrible this is gonna be awful and it was so funny it's really good i recommend good. everyone watch it i I second that recommendation. Very good. Very good movie. Well, well nice chatting with you, bud. This it does. Yes, nice chatting with you, too. All right. Love you. Love you, too. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, friends. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Please share our show with your brutal and bizarre friends. Give us a boozy follow on your favorite podcast platform. If you're feeling extra generous, we'd appreciate a five-star rating or review as well. But maybe do that sober so all the letters are in the right place. You can find all our contact information in the show notes. We love hearing from you, and if you're interested in helping us stock the bar for our future boozy episodes, you can find our Patreon link in the show notes as well.